we've got a lot going on um, with language. And I'm really excited to be talking with with you today about this because it's been so critical in the past 20 years for me and both in my sales side of my business and my life as well as me personally and, and how I set and achieve goals that are quantifiable and measurable. And uh, so I'll, I'll share a little bit more about that in, in a couple minutes here. Um, one of the things that really just um, tickles me about the past two weeks is that I recently got told that, wow, you know, you really know your numbers. You, you know, you're such a numbers geek. It was really funny to me because the person who said it had no idea that I actually am not a numbers geek and was originally a painting major and have a Bachelor of Fine Arts degree and really dislike putting Excel spreadsheet formulas together. But, big caveat, what I love about numbers is the stories that they tell and the, the accuracy and, and the vision and, and using them as signposts for what's happening. When I thought about today, I was thinking about this language piece because it was so critical with a couple clients. And I really wanted to, to bring this to everyone. Welcome. If you are new to these calls, and I see we have a bunch of people that have signed up in the past week, welcome. Sincerely, you are in a community of highly entrepreneurial, highly creative people just like you who are really committed to moving ideas from their head into the physical world, and it's my honor and privilege to be creating that tribe for all of us. And what I wanted to first let you know is a little bit of logistics and some housekeeping. Number one, if you're new to the calls and you ask a question, I want you to keep in mind if you haven't filed for a patent and you think you're going to, then um, disclosing everything about your invention would qualify as public disclosure, and it can actually void your rights to a patent. So give enough information that I'm able to help you and support you, but hold back the, the secret little couple things that um, make it uniquely yours, and we'll make sure that um, you're well taken care of. This idea of language and using your language for impact and and to really leverage and give yourself momentum is really important and I started studying language in personal development side of my life over 20 years ago and for any of you who are on Facebook you have some very funny photos okay I will make sure that we post them to the company page as well which is facebook.com slash products to which is to profits um, I was in a parade on Saturday with a group of people I have been meeting with once a month for 20 years. It's my goal-setting group. And we met through a leadership program. And I tell you this story because the, the pictures you would see on, on Facebook are really funny. It's from the doodah parade here in Pasadena, which is a bit of outrageous satire and goofiness and silliness. And we were... We did a medical satire skit down Colorado Boulevard on Saturday, and we did it because it seemed like it'd be fun. 
and we were really right. The thing that is a big takeaway from me on this is these are people I have had in my life for 20 years centered around language, centered around creating goals that we don't know how are how they're going to happen exactly. They can't be things that are going to happen anyway. You know, it has to be something that's quantifiable and measurable, and it has to be something that moves you forward in some area of your life. And my particular group, that's our criteria, and you set three goals a month. So this, this idea of working with yourself with your language is critical. Number one, a couple words, if you're writing, I want you to write these down, and then you're going to cross them out and work, do your very best to banish them from your vocabulary. And that is try, can't, uh, shouldn't. Those those words are really detrimental. Try in particular is really bad. Um, it, it will. It's not that it's a bad word. It just leaves you in this energy of never quite getting there. The other one that I really have an issue with is when people say, "Well, I want blah blah blah." Um, myself included, I catch myself with the, "Well, I want to be healthy," would be one. Um, it's really important that once you are clear on what you want, that you state it in de definite towards kind of words. And we're going to get to two pieces today. First off, using language to make an impact with yourself and using language for speed in your business, whether it's with investors, whether it's with uh, buyers or consumers. Okay, so we will talk about that. So this piece about using language with yourself, number one, it's always about getting clear on what you want and listening with vigilance to your language will tell you a lot about where your thinking is. Um, you want to, for example, I don't want to be sick is not the same as saying I'm going for vitality. The results are not the same. I don't want to be sick doesn't mean that you're optimal health, okay? Just the same way a lack of war doesn't mean that a country is at peace and that a world is at peace. They're not the same things. They are light years apart. So I don't want to be sick is not the same as I want to be healthy or I'm committed to being healthy or I'm going for maximum vitality, okay? It's a a sliding scale, if you will. So I want you to really think about that when you're creating goals for your products. You know, I want to see them sell everywhere is one thing, but I want to see them sell in the largest retailers in the United States in a prime area of the store is a different goal. The second one is much more quantifiable and measurable. Okay, that's the metric when you're working with your language with yourself. And the third part about that is to give yourself permission to act on what you deeply want, to get off the sofa and say, you know what, today is the day where I make a, a different choice. And it's hard. It's not always easy. Um, it's, sometimes it's filled with joy, and sometimes it requires kind of breaking unconscious agreements with other people. For example, 
I have a commitment to my health right now. And I am going to the gym a lot, right? Okay, great. Well, my man likes to keep ice cream in the house. And I love him dearly. And so I have to break an agreement with, like an unconscious, unspoken agreement that we slid into around this ice cream in the house. You know, it wasn't something that we always said, well, you know, our goal is to keep ice cream in the house at all times. But it sort of became that that was there. And so giving myself permission to act on what I deeply want requires me having a conversation with him about the ice cream in the house requires me leaving the house when it might be easier to stay on the sofa. So this idea of language with yourself first, okay? And in your business, it looks the same way. I have a tracking sheet up on my wall right now that is Monday through Friday goals. We have, let's see, two, four, six, eight, nine different um things that we're tracking in the business five days a week to see if where we are in the universe of the business and its health, because that's really what it's about. It's telling me the, the landmarks of health here. So in your business, being clear and concise with your goals is very important. Okay? So more words do not equal more impact, okay? So if you're writing, write more words, uh, equal sign, put a slash through the equal sign and say more impact. More words do not equal more impact. Usually they equal more confusion, okay? You can lose a listener in your words. I'm going to let that sink in. You can lose a listener in your words. Okay, so an example of this is um, a client of ours recently came to us as a service business, which is a little unusual for us, but they needed help with corporate sales and corporate selling. So they sent me their proposals that they had been sending out, and they, they got proposal requests from very large companies that you would all recognize the name. And the problem was they weren't getting phone calls back, okay? They weren't um, getting further action after the proposals were submitted. And there were a couple problems. The proposals were dry, and they didn't have a clear call to action. We'll talk more about that. But they also were too wordy and too much about um, the company that was presenting the proposal rather than the company that would be the new client of that company, if that makes sense. So there were a couple suggested changes. When you are presenting for you want to get something happening fast in your business or you want to make an impact with a buyer, it's very important that you have a couple elements. And number one, there are multiple facets to language, okay? There is visual language, which is the pictures, the images, the layout on the page, how dense the text is. That is an element of visual language, okay? There's kinesthetic language. That is how you're having somebody feel, 
Like, are they moving something around in space? Are they picking it up off the table? That's kinesthetic type of language, okay? Language isn't just our words. It's actually the energy. It's the speed. It's the pace. It's the passion, okay? So auditory is how you are talking to them, the type of words that you are using. For example, if you were presenting a proposal to a company like Tesla for cars, and you know they're a car company and you're presenting something that is not related to cars, you want to talk to Tesla in Tesla-type languages. You would talk about something recharging the company's batteries. You would talk about um, amplifying the velocity or the speed. Um, you would talk about efficiency. You would talk about innovation in, in your language in the proposal, okay? So it's really important, first off, to be clear and concise in your, your language with a company. Understand visual, auditory, and kinesthetic components of language and how your audience listens or hears best, meaning what are they what are they used to doing, okay? Um, and we have a ton of examples about that. This, the third thing is to always, always treat your proposals as marketing materials in the best ways. So that means you start with reminding them of the problem and the solution that they're going to receive to that problem, okay? It's very important when you're doing proposals to companies to remind them of the problem and the solution they will receive, okay? I know I said that twice, and I'm going to say it again because it is the biggest thing I see missing in corporate proposals. Number one, your first paragraph must acknowledge them for, what, for asking for the proposal in the terms of getting um, what they wanted, you know, being a leader in the company, whatever it is that's important to them as a value system. You have to remind me, them of the problem and the solution that they will receive, okay? Then you want to also make sure in your proposals, so you're treating it as marketing, you have to match the language of your industry or audience, okay? So I, I talked about Tesla a little bit. Kaiser Permanente is another one. Okay, Kaiser Permanente has all kinds of marketing things out right now about well-being and wellness. So you would use language of well-being and wellness, holistic, um, caring. You would use that kind of language in your proposals, okay? So it's a very subtle thing to do, but it's called matching. You want to match the language of the industry or audience, how they talk about what their values are, okay? And also some of the language of their industry, really. So like I said, Tesla is all about electricity. You would use words related to electricity. Um, you would relate them to speed and fuel systems and things like that. So the, the third part under speed for your business with your language is to study copywriting or hire it. Either way, I'm not committed to you doing everything in your business. I'm committed to you running a business. 
and that means that you need to hire things out sometimes. So if you are not sure how to write a good proposal, you can go learn it and do it the slow way, or you can hire it, okay? Um, we write proposals for people. We also will evaluate proposals. We look at them all the time for our consulting clients. It's really important because it will have speed show up, provided that you hit all the components. And the fourth component of language in your business is to always have a complete request. A clear call to action is another way to say that. And that would sound like at the end of a corporate proposal, you might say something like, sign below here to accept, you know, and fax to this number, or email, you know, or I will call you in three days to set an appointment. So it's very clear what the next stage is, okay? Even in a corporate proposal, you can do things like that. And in a sales PowerPoint for a retail buyer, you wouldn't put that call to action in the PowerPoint. You would put it in the email related to the PowerPoint. So if you're sending the, the PowerPoint over by an email, you would put something in there that is a very clear call to action of a next step, what you want to have happen, okay? It's really important. The majority of people that read a proposal have no idea what you want them to do next. And if your proposal is confusing, it ends up on the bottom of the pile of papers on their desk. And then they're not calling you back and you can't figure it out. Okay? So these pieces of language create speed and clarity in your sales process. Okay? I know this is a, a little bit fast here today, but it's really, really important to understand that your language creates speed or creates speed bumps, okay? Um, for example, the client that I was talking about that would get these proposal requests from large corporations, they were doing a great job getting requests, right? Well, the proposal process was very messy and wasn't very clear for people. When they changed that, um, it's creating more smoothness in their business operations, for one thing, which means that there's less um, energy going out in trying to generate a proposal, for one thing. And the other thing is understanding, because there, I have an understanding of the kinesthetic type of language and visual and auditory and creating experiences, we were able to suggest one change to a one-day event that they did, and it was extraordinary the difference in results that came out of that event because of it. Um, they added a party at the end of the event. It wasn't their event. There was no party, but we just kind of created the opportunity out of thin air um, a couple days before the event. and instead of um, one lead from their session of the event, they ended up with seven leads that are highly interested and highly engaged with them because those leads had a kinesthetic experience at this party and it was fun and it was approachable and all these other things. So language can also relate to your customer experience. Okay, So it's a bit 
a bit of an odd connection for you, but it's really important. So with that, I'm going to go see if we have any questions on our webcast. And if you have a question um, from the phone, I want you to press star 7. Oh, sorry. We're going to do star 2 today. And that will raise your hand to ask a question. And then on the Q&A and webcast, um, just type your question in, and um, we'll go ahead and take care of those. So let me go over. Oh, great. Linda's writing in um, saying, yes, she was here, and she loves the calls, and she comes when she can. Um, and she's got some information about patent protection. Awesome. Um, oh, and Linda, thank you. That's so generous. Linda uh, has some businesses that are a little related to ours, and uh, she's just being very generous and giving a shout-out. So I'm going to go over and check our chat. Okay. And now who's on the line? We have someone. I can't see your phone number. So, um, hi, your phone is coming up as anonymous, and so your line is open to ask your question. Hey, Amy, it's Jill Marty. Jill, hello. Hi, how are you? Great, I'm I know. Doing great. You yeah, you don't even have to answer. Um, I will, I miss you, I want to see you, but let me get to the point. Um, mm -hmm. Two brief questions. Um, can you speak, are our, our investors now looking, what are they looking for, 12 pages or 12 slides or, you know, you know, on a first introduction, what's the proper form? Got it. On a first introduction, meaning are you presenting to them or No, they did say they that sounds interesting. Send 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 your deck over or send your hmm. whatever over and you know, I don't wanna I wanna just something I, I know I think what to do for the real deal. You know, when somebody says, yes, I'm interested, but I need to know more, more, this is to intrigue them with the opportunity, but to be business enough, business enough like that it has mm -hmm. some depth. Well, if they want to see, if it's the first time they're seeing something, you can send an executive <clears throat> summary. If they ask for a deck, they're asking for more. So, okay. Um, a deck usually is somewhere in the neighborhood of six to ten slides, um, mm -hmm. and it has some meat to it, meaning some financial projections and some goals and metrics kind of things. Um, I really suggest listening to the call from September 8th. Um, okay. If you haven't, it's the call with Tom Tully. Um, Tom and I talked extensively about business plans and presenting to investors, Mm -hmm. um, and the replay is available um, from the email for that call. Um, we're setting up a page where you'll actually be able to read it uh, or to listen to it, but I haven't done it yet. We'll put it on our blog, which, by the way, is the big news for everybody. We, our blog will be up and active again by the end of the week with a lot of content. So... Um, Jill, to Great. answer your question, you're, you're going to look for six to ten slides. It's going to start with problem-solution, most likely. That's always a, a compelling one. Um, and then you need to talk about the financials, like how, are you, how do you intend to make money and how do they get their money back. Mm -hmm. okay? 
that's the that's the nutshell version of it. Um, what about? And they're gonna they don't want to see a huge business plan. Don't don't create some forty page business plan. It's ridiculous. Okay, don't do it. <laughs> like it. Ever? Do you, ever you know, need that? It, it's a good yeah. exercise, but most investors aren't going to wade through it. They're just not going to read it. And so, you know, so you might need ma- to do it for yourself. Got it. And max number of pages for to intrigue them, would you say, is to intrigue them? You should be able to get all the nuts and bolts of a business on six to ten pages of slides. So that means some visuals, particularly mm-hmm. for your project, particularly because you're and then, so visual. And then if somebody else is, if, if that person turns out to be really interested, then what? Then have a they're business plan through, as a backup? Well, they're going to go through, they'll, they'll go through due diligence with you. They're going to start looking at things. They're going to start looking more for financial projections, um, you know, existing client base, that kind of thing. Got it. So you can you would ask them when you when you deliver the pitch, you would ask them questions like, um, you know, assuming that this is interesting to you, what would be your due diligence process and timing? Mm-hmm. Do you hear how that is a call to action, like I was talking about? Wow, big difference. That's, it's a very clear call to action, but it's it's a question framed as a call to action, which is, assuming that you are interested in this, what would be the next steps in your due diligence process and what's your timing? Do you hear that? Wow. Okay. So, everybody, this is a great example of how important language can be. Instead of just asking them, so if you liked us, what's next? Assuming you like this, what would be the next step in your due diligence process and what's your timing? Is just a very savvy question. What do you think, Jill? I'm writing furiously. <laughs> writing this down furiously. And the recording and will I, the recording will be up by tomorrow and uh we're about 25 minutes in into the recording, so just know that, okay? Oh, that's all right. I I got it uh, powerfully. And may I ask a follow-up, or do you need to leap to someone else? Uh, Let me just double-check and see how we're doing on questions. Anybody else who has a question, you can press star 2 to raise your hand. And let me just go over here to our Q&A chat. See if Lynette's double-checked everybody. Oh, you can ask a follow-up, Jill. Go ahead. Okay, so... I, um, not knowing this, approached what I thought was a potential investor and Mm -hmm. told him why I wanted him to, why I wanted to speak with him further. And, Mm -hmm. And all that I knew was about him, you know, the reasons why, and that, that worked. And I said, but I don't know what the next step is. And he said, well, how about if we have a cup of coffee? So 
that showed me he was interested, and he told me his email and said, can you remember it? And I said, yes, and I shot off an email. That was Friday. Haven't heard from him. So the overall question is, okay, <laughs> he he made an, a next step effort, a suggestion. Now I need to prepare for that meeting, but I need to get that meeting. Mm-hmm. So do I just shoot him another email and say the truth, which is that I'm going to be up in Silicon Valley this week, but I wanted to follow up and or oh. How do I when do are you going? When are you going north? Tomorrow morning, and I'll be back Thursday night. Okay, so there's a reason for you to contact him. Normally, I would say give people a day or two, especially on a Friday to a Monday, because, you know, they're, they're, not everybody lives and dies by their email on the weekends. Yeah. Like, this past weekend was my first full weekend off without doing any work mm. since, you know, in a couple weeks. But um, I wasn't available on email this weekend. But since you're traveling tomorrow, I would give him till early afternoon today, and I would call him. Okay? Oh. And I would say, well, why not? Do you have his phone well, number? Well, he's a very big deal person. I mean, he's head of a couple of TV so? channels. I mean, networks, TV networks. So? Okay. Does he not have a phone? <laughs> okay. Okay, I'm going to just bust something for everybody here. Um, we were talking a little bit on my, oh, you should also review the call with Casey Eberhardt. We were talking specifically about how do you network with people that may be intimidating or that may you may feel like there's a disparity between who they are and you are. Like, they've, they're, oh, my gosh, they've done all this and they're so big, and I'm just this, that kind of stuff like how you work with that. So there's a great call with Casey Eberhardt where we talk specifically about that. Um, but I would call him. You never know. You might get his assistant, but still, you have a perfectly natural reason for calling, saying, I'm going to be flying tomorrow to come up to your area. No, 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 no. It's sure. here in L.A. Oh, okay. Got it. No. I'd still call. Okay. I, uh, but then I have no fear about that kind of thing. I'm like, I'll call him. If you want to wait, um, how? when are you coming back? Thursday night. Thursday night. When do you want so to meet It'll be him? a week since I first contacted him. At his when suggestion. When do you want to meet with him? When do you want to have coffee with him? As soon as he's available. Okay, well, that would mean maybe, you know, tomorrow night while you're in San Francisco, which doesn't work. So in the topic of using language to your advantage, when do you want to meet with him, ideally? A week from today. Okay. So I would wait until probably tomorrow sometime or maybe even Wednesday morning and say, I'm out of town on business. But I want to meet with you when I come back. Would you be available between Monday and Wednesday of next week? Mm-hmm. And give them a okay. few times to, to pick from. Very helpful, Amy. Thank you. You're welcome. I find that meetings book a lot faster with an online scheduling system as well. You know, you can use time trade. That's a good one. If you have a lot of meetings going. I know that you 
you know, you may not be ready for that, but definitely give a time window. You say Monday from 11 to 2 or 11 to 3 or, you know, and then leave it open that you can move things on your calendar if he needs you to. Given that next week is Thanksgiving, should I suggest instead the week after? No. Why? Mm-hmm. Business still happens next week. Okay. And you, and you don't know who he's going to meet with in his family over Thanksgiving weekend. Right. So, so I want to just highlight this for everybody. Um that sometimes in our desire to be, quote-unquote, considerate, we put off our dreams. Very powerful. Thank you. You're welcome. I'd encourage just put it out there the way you want it, and he'll come back with what works for him. Okay. He's a grown-up. So are you. (laughs) (laughs) So we've got another question. Is that, does that take care of it, Jill? Thank you so much, of course. You're welcome. I'm going to mute your line for your privacy. And our next question is coming from Colorado. So if your number ends in 4248, what's your question and how can I help you today? Hi, Amy. It's Kate. Thanks so much for taking my question. Oh, you're welcome, I, Kate. How did your event go? It was awesome. It was awesome. We were busy demoing our product both days, and um, this distributor was there who was interested in our product in May, and uh, lots of interested contacts. We sold a, you know, a few units on, on the spot, and um, people were really excited about the product. So it was oh. successful, very oh. much so. So for everybody who's on the call, this was Kate's first official show with her product. So I am so thrilled for you. My (laughs) smile, like, wraps around my head three times, and I think it's tied in a bow on the back. (laughs) I love it. I can see it now. (laughs) Well, fantastic. So what's your question? Well, my question, you always present such timely coaching calls. Of course, now I need to follow up with all these contacts. And what is the best way to do that? Language-wise, you know, the phone calls I'll be making, the emails I'll be sending, um, you know, the basic um, people were really interested, but, you know, they had to go back to their boss to discuss it with them first. So I need to follow up with them in that spirit and was wondering what your suggestions would be on how to frame those follow-up calls. Perfect, perfect question for today. Um, So first off, always make sure that you acknowledge the person for Mm -hmm. the action they've taken. Okay? Okay. So that sounds like... um, you know, you showed up powerfully at the show, and I really want to stay in communication with you. Something mm-hmm. like that can be really gracious, um, mm-hmm. and it's not self-serving. You know, do mm-hmm. it sincerely. If there's a, uh, something that you particularly enjoyed about the person, tell them, okay? Um, if you um, – I tend to div- – 
Okay, everybody, I'm pulling back the curtain. All right, here's <laughs> here's I'm pulling back the curtain, and this is how it goes. When you come back from a show, always separate your leads into three piles: A, Bs, and Cs. Like A's are the ones that are like you must take action like right away. They're really hot. They're really good to go and you got to reply to them right now. And usually there's more required, like they want a proposal for something or they want a sample sent or something, right? Mm-hmm. So you're going to deal with them first. The mm-hmm. Bs are the people that are maybe a little longer lead time on the sale or they need to do more action or, you know, they're, they're thinking about it a little bit more. The Cs are the ones that want to know more about the product for, you know, the next couple of months kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so start with your A's and okay. deliver on what you said you were going to deliver. Always, always, always. Notice, by the way, Kate, always. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> treat the capital A. <laughs> yes. I, I think it's all caps, always. <laughs> <laughs> treat Excellent. the proposals like marketing materials. Okay. Okay. Meeting, restate, mm-hmm. you know. I'm so um, – thank you so much for stopping by at the show. Your energy was amazing. Um, mm-hmm. your, your patients must really get a lot out of working with you. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I know is that everyone who stopped at our booth is really committed to the latest uh, methods of safely delivering great physical therapy to their clients. Mm-hmm. You know, it's Excellent. something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because then mm-hmm. you're sort of you're sliding in the benefit of what you do, but you're acknowledging right. them at the same time. Okay. Excellent. That's excellent. So language like that to start whatever the proposal is, whether it's they want to test it and you know they want like a three month test and they so mm-hmm. all of that. Mm-hmm. That's a proposal. It's done as a letter. Awesome. Usually. It's it's not a big deal. I think you still have consulting time left with us. I do, and, and I do need to um, get on with. Yeah, I wanted to get on your schedule. Um, I'll be checking that this afternoon to get to talk with you more in depth. But your coaching yeah, call we, was. Just, we, you're kidding. That's so cool. That's exactly what I need yeah. to know. <laughs> yeah, we we That's can easy. actually we can help with that, and we can go over your proposals and. Um, template some reply emails mm-hmm. um, that mm-hmm. you might want to use excellent. too. So probably today or tomorrow would be good. Fantastic. That's excellent. Today's Thank you, Amy. Tomorrow afternoon. You're welcome. So I would start with those, and you can always start with an email that is just, mm-hmm. um, hey, I know you're really busy. You just got back from the show. Um, mm-hmm. We'll be contacting you in the next three days with whatever it was they requested from you. Great. Great. You can do, that's wonderful. You know, that's just a nice way to kind of drop drop a little thing in their mailbox, okay? Mm-hmm. Great way to get started. Ooh, you wonderful. might also Thank you, Amy. consider. Sorry, sorry. One last idea for you, Kate. <laughs> I love it. Please go go for it. Yeah, you could use send out cards or something similar to that because your people are mm. very tactile. Okay. They are very very kinesthetic. Mm-hmm. Again, mm-hmm. for everybody who's on the call, we were talking about understanding visual, auditory, and kinesthetic of your audience and understanding those elements of language. I use language as, yes, it's the words, but it's also the things surrounding the words. 
And mm-hmm. if you know that you have a highly kinesthetic person that you're trying to reach, then sending them a thing to touch goes mm. a long way. So if Perfect. you have photos that you took from the show with mm-hmm. any of them, mm-hmm. print them mm-hmm. on, a, on a greeting card, send them the greeting card, can be a nice follow-up. Excellent. Okay. Fabulous. Great, Amy. You're welcome. Thank okay. you. Okay, I will... I'll watch for you to appear on the calendar, okay? Sounds great. Thanks again. You're welcome. I'm going to meet your line, Kate. Who else has a question today? Is there anyone? Uh, one last question before we go. I'm going to look at our online questions and our – oh, Lynette's saying uh, – that nope, the chat is – chat's good and – our Q&A, one last check over there. And for everybody who's on the phone, we still have quite a few callers. Um, does anybody else have a question? You can press star 2 to raise your hand. Okay, with that, everyone, oh, I see we have one last question. I'm going to open up your line. It's from Tampa, Florida. So Hi, it's me, Pam Hi there, Pam. What's your question today? Well, I have um I went ahead and just made an appointment with the Walgreens uh marketing manager or merchandising manager and I just did that just to see what happens. How should I prepare for that meeting? Knowing I just replied to him and said I'd like to begin your vendor approval process. And he said I'll meet you t- uh Tuesday at 10 a.m. in his office. So is it tomorrow or next week? No, next Tuesday, next Tuesday. Okay, so you have a week. So what is it you want to have happen out of that meeting? Um, I I want to get a purchase order for many stores, basically. Um, I have or, – or just at least find out what what I'm going to need to do to, to do that or if that's even an option and, and if they would be interested in the many designs or do they want me to just narrow down the most – popular or, you know, I just, I guess I really don't even know where to begin. I don't have a line sheet together. I don't have any of that together. I just wanted to go in front of him and see what I need to do to, to you know, get in the stores, more stores. Okay, what's what's his job title again? Merchandising Market Manager. Let me look real quick. I've got, his name is Ray Banks, Raymond Banks. Okay. And he's here, he's in the Tampa Bay area in Riverview is where his office is. Okay. But, so, I decide, you know, I'm going to go in front of him and see what it's going to take, but then I, I I don't know if there's something I really should know before I go or if I should definitely not go in there without something, you know. I would have more of an idea about what you want to have happen. First off, this getting clear on what you want and what it is that the purpose of the meeting is. So his job title, if he's the merchandising manager, then he's responsible for product that's on the floor. If he's the marketing manager, then he's more how they get their brand name out there. So they're very okay. different positions. Okay. He, he had emailed me whenever I contacted him and told him that I had gotten into five stores. 
He emailed uh-huh. me back and said that I must go through a vendor approval process before um, I can get into the store. So he, his title is Market Merchandising Manager. Okay, so he's responsible for vendor agreements. So, right. um, and he's related to the purchasing departments, um, but okay. he's not the buyer. He's kind of okay. probably a support person to the buying process. I don't mean like support, like he's just an admin. No, this is a legitimate, like they have whole separate departments that manage getting vendors set up um, in most retailers. So um, Ray is probably going, okay, you know, he needs to get you set up as a vendor for you to sell in the stores. Okay. So um, he's going to, I would read the vendor agreement. Mm -hmm. If they've sent it to you, read read through that. Make a list of all your questions. You know, be professional and be prepared, Um, meaning have a list of clear questions. Do your best to complete the information before you meet with him. Um, And make your questions very clear and treat all your questions, again, like they are a marketing opportunity. So you would say something like... um, I'm always interested in helping our retailers solve the problems and challenges they have in their business. Okay. So what do you see as the opportunity? It'd be something like that. It just depends on what his title is. So marketing, market merchandising manager. Um, I would look at, see if you can find out who he reports to, like what okay. position is one above him. Because that'll tell you more about where he is in the corporate org chart. Um, And you could ask him about their specific planogram reset dates in this category for national distribution. And you could ask him, is there a distributor in particular that he would want you to work with? Okay. Those are the kinds of questions. But it just depends on, you know, what the intention of the meeting is. Right. So okay. I always think it's a, it's a sign of respect to go in prepared to any meeting. Right. You know, even with my coaches, my my business mentors, I come to the meeting prepared. I come with a okay. Here's what I'm creating. Here's here's what I see to do. What did I miss? Do you see anything outside this that we could do? Because hmm. I prepare myself before I go. And what that does is it gives me much more speed and and velocity and impact out of my meetings because I'm able to use my mentors the most effectively. Right. Okay. A lot of great information. You're welcome. If I didn't think about. You know what? We all have areas where we're learning and on the edge and building muscles. That's, That's the nature of life. 
So the recording will be up tomorrow, so you can listen to it again if you'd like, okay? Good. <laughs> good. I was thinking that. I was thinking, okay, good. I know I'll be able to listen to this again. Thank you so much, Amy. You're welcome. And everybody, for everyone who's on the call, I would love your help. Like I said, um, we're doing a lot with uh, Facebook right now, our Facebook page. And um, I would really like to serve the maximum number of people we can with these calls. So if you like these calls, please share the link, the registration link, and we'll be um, – posting more on Facebook, and there's our blog is going to be up and active, like I said, um, probably late this week with some really, really good content. So keep your eyeballs open for it, and uh, let me know how we can serve you, and if there's something you see we could do better to, to make the calls even more impactful. Uh, we are considering doing them as webcasts with video. Um, it's just most people seem to not be that interested in the Google Hangout technology. So if you would love to see video and you want to see my shining, smiling face every two weeks on a Google Hangout, just let me know, and uh, we'll, we'll take a look and see if that makes sense for everybody. So with that, everyone, have a wonderful Monday. Go be fabulously creative, and remember to give yourself permission to act on what you deeply want in your life. Talk to you in two weeks. Bye.